Life is good, but it can be better. <laughs> oh my God. Welcome everybody to Spieling and Feeling. I am Patrick S. Harrison. Joining me now uh, from Cancun, partying with Ted Cruz, Sam Oliver. Sam, how you doing? It's warm. Warm down there in Cancun. We got a great show today. A lot of things I'm excited to talk about. Uh, We're going to be reviewing Nomadland, uh, the new film uh, on Hulu starring Francis McDormand. Uh, and also, we're going to be talking about Young Rock, uh, the new sitcom about Dwayne Johnson's life on NBC slash Peacock. Uh, Sam, uh, huge news in entertainment this week. Justin Timberlake uh, apologized to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson on Instagram. Uh, do we deserve most of the credit for this after our episode on JT and Britney last week? If we do, I don't want it. I, I don't think he should have apologized, but okay. Uh, what is he apologizing for? Something that happened almost 20 years ago? So you don't think he should apologize? No. No. What? What is he? First of all, the Janet Jackson thing. The people are upset, really, that he didn't get in any trouble for it. Not because of, like, something he did. It's more of, like, society's response to what happened. That she got like a blame for it. So what is he apologizing for? Like, that was what nineteen ninety nine or something. That was a long time ago. And the Britney thing, like, I don't know what he he dated a girl and broke up with her. What is he apologizing for? Well, I guess he's apologizing because he insinuated that she's a cheater, and well, not insinuated. He basically called her a cheater and cried me a river. And also, I guess he bragged about having sex with her on the radio before. But I mean, people just—I'm sure people just assume they're having sex. Uh, you know, them being together. But yeah, but so like, long. is that is he apologizing for those insinuations? He didn't really like his apology was very uh, ambiguous. It didn't specify what he was apologizing for. Yeah, you know, and, and he did the uh, he did that thing where you just like post a picture of like text you wrote. You know, it's uh, people should do video apologies. I feel like it would be carry more weight. What, he shouldn't have done any apology. He didn't have anything to apologize for. I don't. I mean, uh, Janet. He he did rip off Janet Jackson's, uh, you know, breast cover or bra or whatever you call it. And uh, yeah, who knows? I'm sure it feels good for him to get it off his chest. So we're we're happy here for JT. Good for him. Yeah. Now, it's Sam, not, you that, was that an intentional joke? Get what? it off his chest, just like he oh. ripped off the thing of Janet Jackson's chest. No, it was not. There we go, uh, Sam. Uh, you sent me uh, an article today. Uh, Martin Scorsese uh, wrote an article for or an essay for Harper's, uh, where basically he said cinema is dead, and uh, he dislikes the word content as much as I do. He doesn't like how movies are referred to as content. Sam, what your takeaway on this? He needs to get over that. He he needs to get over this sort of old school mentality that he has about movies and the theater and whatnot because he did he said he talked shit on uh like comic book movies recently last year or something like said they're not theater or they're not what they're not cinema something like that it's just like you know this is the guy who released a three-hour netflix movie like you know adapt or die martin i love your movies but 
this is just how the world is now and you need to like get with the times. One quote from it is, if further viewing is suggested by algorithms based on what you've already seen and suggestions are based only on subject matter or genre, then what does that do to the art of cinema? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Man, you know, he and Christopher Nolan are kind of, uh, I mean, they're just hoping for the glory days of, of movie going and it's just gone. You know, I mean, well, the theaters are not dead. Don't get me wrong. But as of right now, streaming is king. Um. It's going to be interesting, though, talking about. We're going to, I'm I'm curious how this relates to the show today because we've got Young Rock, which couldn't be more like content like I feel like in terms of what it is as a show, and then we have Nomadland, which is definitely cinema. I would say definitely cinema. So I'm excited to talk about both of these things. Uh, but first, before we talk about cinema, let's talk about some more content because we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Sam, uh, it, it came out today that. Uh, FBI is going to have another spinoff, FBI International, and there's also going to be NCIS Hawaii. And I just got to say, I'm really excited for both of these shows. Okay, I'm excited to see both of these universes expand. I think there's a lot more storytelling within these worlds. I'm sure you feel the same way, right? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, Sam, what's FBI so funny? NCIS, wolf, NCIS right? New Orleans is wrapping up this year, Sam, okay? Now let's let's there's plenty more uh, storytelling to have in Hawaii. You're not excited about this? <laughs> uh, no, not really. I don't watch. I've never watched NCIS. FBI is Dick Wolf, right? Like uh, yes. Law and Order. Mm-hmm. Okay, so NCIS is Donald P. Belisario, who do, does all these Navy military things. Um, so I used to watch JAG way back when, and that's how I like in his universe which is NCIS occurs in that same shared universe. But I never watched that, so I don't really care. But Dick Wolf also never watched FBI, but I'm a huge Law & Order fan. So, you know, expanding the, the Law & Order Dick Wolf-averse, whatever you want to call it. So I'm good with that. I'm pumped. We're going to be covering FBI International and NCIS Hawaii wall-to-wall on this show. Okay, now, Sam, uh, next let's move on to a trailer. Did, did you, had you heard of Superman and Lois on CW before I told you about it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. I had not heard of this. Um, man, you know, they, they, DC is not worried about diluting uh, the Superman brand, okay? They will just put him anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, CW, reheated HBO Max movies, animated series, uh, whatever, uh, that being said, I watched the trailer for this Superman and Lois, and I liked it. You know, I liked, I always liked the Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher uh, show back in the day. I guess it's from the 90s at some point that kind of uh, just focused more on their relationship. And, you know, I liked this trailer. I thought it looked good. I I, I liked the color tones they were using. And, yeah, oh, I mean, it, it, it surprised me. What did you think? Uh. Yeah, it looked very cinematic. Like it looked mm-hmm. like they spent a ton of money on at least the pilot. Like it, it looks um so it takes it's in this this CW DC universe that they call it the Arrowverse. So that was the shows the Arrow, the Flash, Supergirl. There's like two other ones. I mean, I watch all these and shows the, weekly. I'm I'm caught up. <laughs> well, and then the 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 people playing Superman and Lois were introduced in Supergirl. But this like looks different. It looks, um, it looks much more plat- palatable to be honest than some of those are, are just awful. Uh, yeah, and it, it does look like they just like 
really spent a lot of money on this. So I'm curious to watch the pilot. I don't like those shows. I, I have watched all those shows, and I don't like most of them. They all kind of became bad over time. Uh, so I'm skeptical that this will be any good. But just I like to see where it goes. Uh, definitely the production value looks like it's worth worth a watch. Well, two-hour premiere on February 23rd. Maybe we will check it out for this show. Uh, Sam, let's move on to another trailer of a film that I had no idea was happening. Uh, there is a live-action Cruella DeVille movie coming out. Cruella uh, starring uh, Emma Stone, uh, directed by Craig Gillespie, uh, also featuring Mark Strong. Uh, this movie comes out on May 28th. I'm not sure if that'll be just on Disney Plus or if they'll try to give it a theatrical go. Uh, you know, Sam, go ahead. What did you think of Cruella? I thought it was a good trailer. Let's put it. I thought it's a good trailer. I'm an Emma Stone fan. I'm a big Mark Strong fan. You know, I hate these villain, this like trend of villain origin story movies that's happening now. I don't like this. I, I, I don't know who this film is for. Like, because ostensibly it's for children, but that character, this movie doesn't look like a kid's movie. So I don't really know who this if it is for us because we watched 101 Dalmatians as kids. Um, yeah, I don't really know who this movie is meant to be for. I'm going to watch it. I don't know that it'll be terrible, but I just I, it's not exciting me. You know, it's a good trailer, but it's the movie doesn't like get me going. I got to say, I was pretty on board with this trailer. I'm kind of excited for this. Uh, I think, first of all, Craig Gillespie, the guy who did I, Tanya, we've talked about him before on this show, and we were talking about the Pam and Tommy show that will be coming out on Hulu. Uh, I like him as a director. I, I, I'm optimistic about it. I mean, I think anybody who watches this trailer would have to get Harley Quinn vibes. Just obviously, you know, you've got this villain wearing a lot of uh, facial makeup, and it, it kind of has a similar look to it. But big charismatic star in the lead. Uh, it, I thought the tone of the trailer looked fun. And given that Craig Gillespie is directing, I'm I'm going to watch this. I, I, I'm excited for this. Uh, Sam, last trailer talk of the day. Uh, new Mortal Kombat trailer dropped. And I, I wanted this on the show today because I know you're a video game guy. And uh, specifically, what did you think of this trailer? And also, I want to know, did you know who the guy fighting Sub-Zero was at the end of it? And did that get you excited? It looks like a fun movie to me. Did you play Mortal Kombat as a kid? Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first movie came out in the mid-90s, and that was like the prime age for somebody like me watching that in the theater. And I love that movie. It's dumb and cheesy, but it was like fun to watch. This looks like a bit a bit more polished than that was. I mean, granted, it's almost 30 years on, but like it definitely feels the story feels a little bit more uh well constructed than that one did and i don't know it looks like it's gonna be fun yeah i did they did they're leading into a little bit more of a real uh, realistic vibe that's stupid to say but because at the end it's sub-zero fighting scorpion but scorpion's not like so that was scorpion ridic- yeah i okay. mean he says good o- he says get over here you know he does like the line from the game Oh, that was his line from the game. I did not pick on. You don't remember. That. You don't remember that when he shoots the thing out and grabs the guy and it's like, "Get over here!" No, that was like yeah. every, the move everybody knew. Backpack B. I don't even remember the 
the two the button combo but uh anyway yeah it it definitely is like looks like it's gonna be a fun ride i hope we both watch this it's coming out in may i believe april on hbo max april okay so yeah i'm i think that's gonna be worth a watch i think it'll just be a fun like sit down enjoy your popcorn movie there you go well sam Let's move on to our main features of the week. And I would actually like to... Let's start with Young Rock. I am fascinated by Young Rock. Okay, I was, I was fascinated from second one by how it starts with his, you know, fictional 2032 presidential campaign. Uh, listen, I, I'm fascinated by the show and like what it means to and for Dwayne Johnson, possibly what it means for the history of politics. Uh, but... None of that matters if the show isn't good, and I actually think this show is good. Uh, it follows the we have three different actors playing The Rock, along with him, you know, playing himself. Uh, I enjoyed this from start to finish. A lot of interesting things going on. I thought, Sam, what did you think of Young Rock? You know, I I agree. I don't know if I liked it as much as you. Uh, I'm gonna keep watching it for now, but the the premise is really interesting. The way they're approaching uh, this. Instead of just sort of a straight, you know, flashback type thing uh, that like Chris Rock did when he did his sort of childhood or um, the guy who does uh, the Goldbergs does with his just kind of narration with portraying past events. They kind of like frame it of him giving an interview to a uh, Randall Park, whose name is Randall. And in 2032, when he's running for president, as like trying to tell people who he is, I think that's an interesting device to use. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like I liked the guy playing him as a teenager. Uh, I liked you, you didn't get to see much of him in the other directions. I felt like you know, most of his time was spent with him as a teenager, but. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I like some of the things this is doing. I think it's really interesting how they're going about it, and it's worth watching um, a few more episodes to see how, how it goes. Now, I actually they they give both. There's so they film the the rock in at the age ten, fifteen, and I guess like eighteen, like just in college. I want to get to the University of Miami, and they give about equal screen time to all three times, and. Yeah, I thought the people in it's, it's so you're getting it's the rock. The rock is in every scene, you know, just a different age. I wonder if this format is almost perfect for today's day and age of short attention spans. I mean, like you're refreshing like every six minutes, you're getting a a, a new cast in there, and then but in in between though, you're getting visits from the rock, like the biggest star in the world. It's an incredible formula, I feel like. Yeah, and I wonder how what they're gonna do it because it was very formulaic in this episode. Where you start as a kid, then the teenager, then to college. Mm-hmm. Like, are, are they going to continue that very exact formula? Or will it jump around more? So, like, will every episode progress in age that way? Or will it be more jumping around between the older version to the younger version? Um, you know, different ways they could go with that. Yeah, and then the, then the, <laughs> the actual rock had to be in the episode you know, the show too, and get his face in there. I, I find it, you know, you kind of reference this in your, in your intro to this. I find it really interesting. If this is like his, he's actually going to run for president one day. 
This is almost brilliant. Like making this show is almost brilliant. He he will be president. He's going to win the 2032 election. He will. He I guarantee it. He's going like I think this is a real play here. I I I don't I don't you know, I don't know if he will or won't, but like it seems as a on it like it seems as though yeah, this is a real play for it. But if it's not, if this is just like a show he's making now, and then he comes upon this decision later in life, it's almost brilliant because it, it'll give people the impression that this is his actual life when it's probably a lot of bullshit. So, you know, it'll just make people feel like they know him uh, that much more, even though, you know, it's it's not I don't think it's much different, you know, other than the content of his character. It's much different than Donald Trump being on TV and people feeling like they knew who Donald Trump was when they really had no idea, you know, who he was. We found out that he's, you know, a con artist and a liar. But, uh, you know, the same rock, the rock doesn't feel that way. But it's just interesting if this is laying the groundwork for a presidential run. Yeah, you you have to bring up the the similarities to Trump at this point. I mean, a, a NBC show, a possible uh, presidential run, and I, I I really do think that it's settled. I think he is going to run in twenty thirty two. He, he I like how openly he talks about how he basically views life as professional wrestling, and they use the terms like getting over, uh, you know, and like in real life, you know, and like people being a heel and that sort of thing. But I I, I liked his openness in this, and I think his sort of skills he learned in wrestling would almost be useful in politics. Uh, I don't want to forget to say that I found the show very funny. I think there are some great jokes in this. Uh, My favorite line in this pilot was, uh, you better eat your Wheaties, Asia. Uh, I thought that was absolutely hilarious how they did that. And there's a great Gene Simmons kiss biopic joke after that, which, you know, made fun of The Rock's future. Um, One thing I want to ask you about, Sam, is do you think he actually like left a dead guy in a car somewhere and then called the cops. No, I think a lot of this seems already like bullshit. Like, do I think some homeless guy was sleeping in the back of this uh, car he bought for a hundred dollars? Waffle. And he just like he just proceeded to drive this guy around and didn't like run away from that vehicle. I mean, no, I don't believe a lot of the stuff that happened in this show. Which is what I'm saying. Like, how brilliant it is if he does run for president because people are gonna believe this stuff. Because they believe what's on TV. So, you know, all these anecdotes that he's relaying as if they're real, people are going to take them as real until people prove otherwise. So, you know, even then, you know, to the Trump comparison, you know, it's proved that he's not a good businessman, but people still believe he's a good businessman somehow. So, uh, yeah, people are going to, like, use this as a framework for if he does run for president and they're going to believe every word that comes out of this show. I was really impressed. I mean, it's it can be really hard for sitcoms to be good right off the bat, but I thought this was a really interesting pilot, and I thought a nice job was done. I just want to like agree again, like the way that it was constructed, the premise of it is very different from sitcoms, even sitcoms that have done something similar to this with a celebrity. So it's definitely getting points for that off the bat than being a little bit being different from the other versions of this that have been done before. Well, there you go. Both of us on board with Young Rock. Sam, let's take a short break, and then we will come back and talk Nomadland. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Now we are going to talk about Nomadland. 
Sam, why don't you set up this film for our listeners and tell us what you thought about it? It just follows Frances McDormand, who is what you would call a modern-day nomad. She just travels around in her van, her specially rigged van. Uh, It takes place right after uh, the financial crisis, or not right after, but a couple years after the financial crisis in 08. Um, so she lost all her house and all her money, I guess. So she's just sort of trans, you know, uh, driving around the country in this van and working odd jobs here and there. This movie, I'm surprised that I actually like this movie because it's, it's boring. Um, not a lot really happens, but it's, it's very magnetic in a way. Uh, it's you can you kind of keep your eyes on it the whole time and it's very real it, it feels very real and I think that's attributed to the fact that like other than Francis McDormand and David Strathairn the entire cast are like actual people they're not actors and uh, it just it felt like very honest and a very honest movie um, but you know I was gonna use this line the the <laughs> The movie is very nomadic, like it in the sense that it doesn't have it's kind of aimless. It's designed. So I imagine that it just kind of wanders from place to place. It's not really telling like a a very specific through line of a story. It's just kind of following Francis McDormand around. But I I think this is a good movie. Um, I don't know if I would recommend people watch it. Uh, It's you know, it's it's an hour and 50 minutes or something and it's kind of boring, but there's something there to it. Yeah. I did not love this movie. I wanted to, all the, all the pieces are there. I feel like, uh, Francis McDormand, but like you said, the movie is very plotting and it's very meditative and yeah, there, there's, there's not much of a plot for a long time and it's about an hour and 10 minutes in before her, her car, uh, you know, has problems, and then sort of we start finding plot and sort of uh, they, they try to make a point. Um, Sam, tell me more about what you liked about this movie. You know, I'm not 100% sure. All I, I just felt like there was something about it. Really, I, I said it already, the, the sort of honesty of it that made you kind of keep watch, made me kind of keep watching it or drew, drew, my, drew me back to it. Yeah, there's times where you're, like I said, the, all of the other actors in this are real people. Um, and there are times where they're, they're telling their stories and it, I'm assuming that they were true. Like those people were telling their real stories because it feels very confessional esque, like them telling about how they lost their family or like someone died or what, you know, and it's just, it feels so honest. Like I wouldn't be surprised if when they shot it, it was just like one person with a camera and Francis McDormand and those people, and they were just kind of telling their story because they're not bad. They're not acting poorly. You know, it just feels like they're not really acting at all. Almost they're, they're sort of being very raw and it's not coming across as, as contrived in any way. Now, one thing I was wondering, the kid who shows up twice, who gives like her a lighter on the second meeting, she gives him a lighter on the first one or something, or gives him a cigarette and a light. Was that kid an actor or was it the same person showing up twice? That's the same person showing up. I looked at the IMDb page, and literally, b- besides David Tristaren, 
Francis McDormand, and then the guy who plays David Strathairn's son in the movie, who's actually who's David Strathairn's actual son. Uh, everybody else was like a real person. Maybe not the baby. <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering about like, the you know who I mean the guy who shows up twice. Though. Yeah, hmm. I think he was a real nope. person. They just put him in the movie twice. They they had a, a you know him actually show up twice in the movie. Hmm. Um, but like it makes nobody... me think. I felt like his was not really honest. Like his storyline, because he seems like, he seems like drugged out and in a really bad place on the second meeting. Oh, maybe I. I don't know. I, I just, I, I, all I can say is I looked at the IMDb page and everybody on there were going by their actual names. Like, even David Strathairn's name in the movie is Dave. So, you know, everyone's going by their real names in this movie, except for Frances McDormand. But I even wonder if people call her Fern, because that's her name in the movie. If, if, like, that's a nickname of hers that she goes by, Frances Fern. I feel like I could see that. Now, did you watch The Rider, the previous film by this director? No. Okay. Just wondering. Kind of kind of meditative like this, but they're kind of just, they're both kind of about, you know, living outside the system and doing your own thing. Um, well, uh, I'll also say that I kind of have, so my, my old roommate, uh, you know, my buddy Corey, he actually kind of did, did this, right? So he, bought an old bus, renovated it and like drove it around the country and lived out of it and still does. Uh, he doesn't live there full time, but so I kind of like, it was kind of something that I could relate to in a certain sense. Cause I knew somebody who did this type thing. Um, so Corey, if you're out there, you should watch this movie. You'll probably like it, but yeah, it was a uh, sort of something that I felt like I related to a little bit and, uh, I just found it very, magnetic in a certain certain way well there you go uh nomad land is available to stream on hulu uh sam let's take a break then we come back we got carson wentz a lot of stuff to talk about we'll be right back and we're back pat today was the day it finally happened carson wentz was traded how you before, feeling, buddy? Tell me. Uh, more relief, but before I go into my spiel about this whole thing, tell me what you thought when you first heard the this news. Well, I mean, just as an outsider, I, I think this is the best possible destination for Carson Wentz. So good luck to him. You know, he had his most success with Frank Reich. You know, Carson Wentz reminds me. I heard some Tony today on PTI said this could be. Like his Tennessee, for, like to Ryan Tannehill, you know what I mean? Like he gets a second chance. Uh, I'm at, like I actually always think of Carson Palmer when I think of Carson Wentz. You know, guy who was electric at the start of his career, but then suffered an ACL injury. Well, I think T Tannehill suffered an ACL injury as well, but he's kind of been better since his injury. Um, so I mean, I hope with Reich, you know, he's got the magic sauce back and he can become, you know, an elite player again because I do think he's really talented. Uh, for the Eagle, I mean, I think this is a really fair trade. I think it's a great price. Uh, third round pick and then a conditional second rounder could be a first rounder if he plays more than 70% of the snaps or they go to the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I think it's a really fair trade. It was a toxic situation. Both sides needed to move on. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's a good trade for both sides. 
I don't disagree. It is a fair trade based on his performance. It's just sad as a fan, as an Eagles fan, the fact that the best they could do is of right as of right now as a third rounder and a second rounder is is sad when you look at like I think it's fair. I don't think it's I don't think they did a they got a bad haul for him. I mean, he's he's there's so no. much money left on that contract. And, and the odds are that pick will become a first rounder. Um like you said, it's either 75% of the snaps or 70% of the snaps and they make the playoffs. Um, he's played two full seasons in a row. So the odds of that happening are pretty high barring some ca- catastrophic injury or he, or frankly, he performs as badly last year as he is uh, this coming year as he did last year and they bun- and they bench him. So, um, which is a possibility. So it's sad as an Eagles fan. I'm glad this is done. Uh, I'm relieved it's over. The the hall is embarrassingly low. It's an embarrassing for this for the franchise. It's an embarrassing situation to be honest. But you know, at least it's done and they can move forward now. They're going to be terrible. They they lost. They're losing thirty four million dollars or something this year on a a year where the cap's going to be very low because of COVID. So they've already lost like I, I can't do the math in my head, but like a big percentage of their cap is to Carson Wentz, who's not even on the team. So, um, yeah. And they're like $40 million over the cap already, by the way. So it, it's, it's just bad. Clearly they're going to be rebuilding. Let's go Jalen hurts. It's interesting. With, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with all these quarterbacks in the draft. I, I feel like there's not room for, I mean, I hear guys talking about like five guys going in the first round. I mean, now, you know, Wentz is going to Indianapolis. I assume Hertz is going to be the guy in Philly now. Um, but, yeah, I, I I really do. Th- I think the Colts have a chance to make some noise in these next few years. You know, they, they've got some young pieces. they got Michael Pittman. They've got Jonathan Taylor. I mean, if anybody can get, you know, can squeeze the juice out of Wentz, I, I think it's Frank Reich. So, uh, I think that team's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to improve with Frank Reich, but... I don't know. Who knows? Uh, you mentioned the draft. That was something I wanted to talk about briefly because you and I think it was it was either one of our friends who were on the podcast before gave me a ton of shit when the Eagles tanked, and I said that was a good. They got three extra spots. Now, now there's a lot of talk of a bunch of quarterbacks going. That sixth pick is looking mighty nice. Whether the Eagles draft a quarterback or not, God, I hope they don't. But with that six pick gives them a lot of options now, potentially a trade option. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of talk is that the guy from BYU is going to go to the Jets. So Justin Fields will be on the board, potentially at the six pick. I hope they don't draft him, but if he is there, you know, someone might want to come up and get him, and that six pick becomes very valuable over a ninth pick. So I want an apology now for all this shit I had to get about them tanking, agreeing that they tank for the three extra spots in the draft. Let's hear it. No, I'm not going to apologize. That's ridiculous, Sam. You know, I've actually been uh, rewatching the uh, the Last Dance this week, and you know, it, there's this thing. Jerry was or Michael was so furious that the franchise would do anything that wasn't trying to win all the way at all times. That was kind of his maximum. Like you always try to win, uh, no matter what. And what the Eagles did was still embarrassing and shameful 
and guys lost their jobs because of it, Sam. So, no, I'm not going to apologize. All right. Doug Peterson didn't lose his job because of that. Last Sam, game. let's not rehash this argument again. All right. You're in favor of tanking. We all know it. Okay. Congratulations on getting three draft picks better. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Well, I'm not in favor of tanking, but that one game. I was you're in favor of tanking, Sam. Okay. You're on the record. I'm not, but that'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft now with that. Pick. Now I want an apology uh, for having to rehash Doug Peterson tanking again. Okay, apologize to me now. No, you know, absolutely not. Apologize to our you listeners for this waste. But I, I want to see what they do with this pick. Uh, you know, I, I hope they trade out of it because I assume that there's going to be a big quarterback frenzy. Um, We'll see what happens. But they're going to probably screw it up because they've screwed up a lot of their, you know. NFC East is going to be a lot of quarterback. I think the Giants need to move on from Daniel Jones. I assume the Washington football team is going to draft somebody. Oh, just imagine. They just, they re-signed Heineke. I think they're going to, I think they're going to get a more, you know, triple A sort of prospect. Uh, You know, the, the NFC, to your point, Dak may not be come back to the Cowboys or may uh, sit out. Who knows what Dak's going to do. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be a good player. I don't know if it'll be with the Eagles, but I want to see what he can do this year. I, that's why I don't. That's why I hope they don't draft their quarterback. Give him a season. Give him as a starter. See what he can do. To be honest with you, and I'm, I'm going to put Jalen Hurts in kind of that Drew Locke starter area. Uh, what I mean is these guys are the starting quarterbacks on teams right now, but the teams are never going to go anywhere with these guys at the helms. That's that's what I'm going to say. Okay, these guys are sitting ducks. Uh, the team should move on now, but they can't. They're kind of they must play this out a little longer. I feel like. Well, I think we've said enough about the Eagles and Carson Wentz. Hopefully, they'll stay out of the news for a while now with the new coach and a ex exercised quarterback. So we can uh, not talk about them until the next season starts. All right. On that note, everybody, thank you for listening. I've been Patrick. He's been Sam. You can email us anytime at spielinganddealing at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at spielinganddealingpodcast. Catch you next time.